0: Yes, yes, my friends, back into the fray once again. Welcome to Chronology, the only podcast dedicated to an episode-by-episode recap of Monday Night Raw. I am Dave Thackera, Mr. Casual Wrestling fan. And I'm Neil Trama. I've been watching this for much, much longer than
1: I care to admit.
0: But yes, we both are married. So ladies, please back off even though we soon will be exceptionally wealthy with two guys talking about episodes of wrestling from close to 35 years ago. uh, We are indeed taken. This episode of Raw much, much better than the premiere episode of raw. You have to admit that, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this one, it just felt a lot more alive. And I want to say it felt edgier, although I think that's what they were going for, but it just definitely felt like there was a lot more happening. It was more of a cohesive show. And quite honestly, I thought about this after the episode was completed, but I'll mention it now. If two hour raws were a thing This would have really been a good episode one and episode two put together would have been a really, really good two hour episode of Roth. But overall, yeah, episode two, definitely an improvement over episode one. If
0: for no other reason, just because we're getting the names. Now, we start the show with Macho Man and the Repo Man getting into a big feud, which is, I mean, let's be honest, the Macho Man's kind of punching down in that regard. Well, yeah, throughout the episode, we get introduced to the big names of 90s and and, and WWE superstardom. We get a Mr. Perfect. We get a Bret Hart. We get an Undertaker appearance and we get all of these things. We got a little taste of last week. Now we're getting the full force of this week. We're bringing out last year's Royal Rumble champion as we beat people to death with the concept of don't forget this Sunday on pay-per-view. It's the Royal Rumble. But this episode in general just seemed a lot more focused. It's like if, if week one was an appetizer plate that sort of left you with a meh, week two is definitely the main course that keeps you coming back to the rest.
1: Yeah. Plus, it has a hook at the end to bring you to next week. But we'll get that when we hit the end of the show. But I guess we need to start at the beginning of the show, which you did touch on, which is we open up with Vince Macho and uh, our old buddy, Mr. Rob Bartlett. Uh, out there to do our show intro and right off the bat in something that never happened on 1993 wrestling, you had the repo man jumping out of the crowd and attacking the announcer, Randy Savage and repossessing his hat, which is, pretty stupid but it still was a pretty hot angle that really got the crowd going to kick off the show like boom like we're rolling with something different here
0: (laughs) for sure and any chance we get to see the macho man's head that's a good thing but repossessing a hat who knew that it would start off a feud that would be the a storyline to carry us through the entire episode and of course we had a rob bartlett makes a dated cringy joke aspect of it that rob bartlett cringy joke We're going to keep a running tally on that. So that's number one. I was
1: just (laughs) going to say, I think that's his middle name. He is Rob Dated Cringy Joke Bartlett.
0: Ripping up a picture of Bobby the Brain Heenan asking people to remember who the real enemy is, reminiscent of Sinead O'Connor from Saturday Night Live and the Pope picture. But macho, for a tough guy, for a macho guy... One bump from behind from the Repo Man sort of seemed to stagger him for a long, long time. Neil, I'm starting to think that he hammed that angle up a little bit to make it seem like he was really in
1: pain. The next thing you know, you're going to tell me that wrestling might not be totally on the up and up, Dave.
0: We quickly segue into (laughs) match one of the day featuring two guys whose histories whose storylines are forever to be intertwined in the in the chronicles in the annals of WWE history Mr. Terry Taylor terrific Terry Taylor and Mr. Perfect Okay so
1: Kurt Hennig and Terry Taylor were hired at the same time to come into the WWF and Vince had two gimmicks in mind one of them was going to become Mr. Perfect the man who is undefeated and perfect at everything and the other one was going to become a human chicken named the Red Rooster with the idea being that Bobby Heenan was going to bring in some knucklehead and was going to groom him to be a champion because Bobby Heenan could bring in any loser any schmuck off the street and make them a champion. Now Dave spoiler alert one of these gimmicks is excellent and would go on to legendary hall of fame status and the other one is terrible <laughs> and i think we all know who became perfect and who became a wrestling cock the red rooster <laughs>
0: you know how many careers were totally sidelined and let's go let's step into the sliding uh, step into the sliding doors mindset for a second much like the discussion of if andy dalton was on the patriots how many super bowls would he have how many wrestlers careers have been ruined because Vince either got drunk or just had a a, a, something thunk on his head and come up with the worst gimmick ever. That's what they're saddled with. And that's where their career stalls out.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're going to see them so many times, especially for the first couple years of this podcast, because 93, 94, 95, this is the era of the worst one-dimensional gimmicks, the wrestling garbage men, the wrestling plumber, the wrestling hockey player. They're coming down the pike at us but you know you never know though Dave because there is probably an alternate universe somewhere where somebody is saying man mean Mark Callis must really regret going to the WWF and letting Vince McMahon talk him into portraying an undead wrestling zombie that Undertaker character that sure was crap
0: That was a dead end for sure. You
1: never know what's going to hit, I suppose. But yes, for every one Undertaker, there are 15 uh, Red Roosters and Repo
0: Men out there for certain. So, I, I mean, let's be honest. I watched this about 25 minutes ago. Can't tell you who won the match. Neil, who won the match? And why? You know
1: what? We're pretty certain that uh, the Rooster won. Uh, Terry Taylor won by DQ. Ric Flair. uh, Interference gets himself involved. Flair and Perfect are in the middle of a blood feud right now. Uh, Perfect was Flair's manager. Uh, All right executive consultant Uh, i must correct myself there and uh then you know he left the flair bobby heenan camp to go on his own turn babyface before the survivor series so they're in the middle of a blood feud and uh uh, flair comes out to cost perfect the match uh against terry taylor and would that be the last we would see of mr perfect and rick flair on this show stay tuned kids
0: even a casual guy like me after a couple of commercials can recognize the name and the importance of the man with the belt right now, the current reigning WWF champion, Brett the Hitman Hart coming out for a promo for his upcoming match at the Royal Rumble versus Razor Ramon.
1: God bless the Hitman. I love Bret Hart. Um, He was one of my favorites growing up. He's still one of my favorites today. So awesome in the ring, but, you know, 1992 to 93 first WWF championship reign, Bret Hart. I think he was in a little over his head. This promo doesn't really do a heck of a lot for me. This feud doesn't really do a heck of a lot for me. Bret Hart and Razor Ramon. It really feels like low down on the pecking order, low on the totem pole. I mean, even on this show, the interview with Bret Hart, the go home interview to set up the title match in theory, the main event of the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's slotted below Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect and what they're doing. And let's be honest, it's slotted below Repo Man repossessing a hat. This just <laughs> does not feel like a big deal going into this Royal Rumble. But, uh, I mean, the Hitman, he, he does a yeoman's job here. But I remember almost nothing about this interview, which should go to tell you how uh, how exciting it was.
0: Oh, no, it was great. Hitman's really, really pissed that uh, that Razor Ramon went after his dad, the legendary Hart. My dad's gonna be 78 years old, and to stoop so low is to come at him, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, the premise is shaky at best, but I thought the interview itself wasn't horrible. But like you said, they weren't exactly in the best of positions for the fight.
1: Yeah, it wasn't lighting the world on fire. And I mean, I feel like the big I mean, the big heat angle was Razor beating up Brett's brother, which in theory all right. The bad guy, heel, beats up the champs' family. I mean, obviously that's low, but Owen was a wrestler. I mean, right. he was literally in a pushed tag team weeks ago, and we're supposed to think it was completely unfair for Razor Ramon to beat him up. I mean, what a burial of poor Owen. I mean, Brett's got like 45 other brothers. They couldn't have beat up one of the ones that wasn't a member of the active roster. I don't know. I don't get it. This Bret Hart, Razor Ramon thing's not doing.
0: Yeah, to see Owen Hart put up in the Vicky Guerrero catalog, not really a great spot for him, to be sure. But the promo itself came and went very quickly, and uh, the, what didn't, what seems to be lingering from episode to episode, the headlock on hunger. Neil, let's let's remind people one more time: the headlock on hunger was the WWE's attempt to do philanthropy. Yeah, pretty much. It was, mostly it was their attempt to get good publicity.
1: Uh, more than anything else, because they were getting a lot of bad press around this time in history, but due to a steroid scandal. I mean, it was topical. It was a good cause, and I think I touched on this on the last show. Which I'm not going to fault them for doing a charity show to raise money. But we'd be kidding ourselves if we said that their uh, that their efforts were just entirely out of goodwill. They certainly were were doing some self serving, uh, some self serving charity work here.
0: For sure. But it is kind of comical to see Paul Bearer standing next. To the Undertaker in the Paul Bearer voice, talking about the hungry in Somalia. I mean, it's it's like a cartoon. If if we're in the cartoon realm before, what this takes us to a whole new level. Yeah,
1: this, this the, the, there's a lot of cartoons going on here, and this, this is pretty ridiculous. It is a ridiculous juxtaposition of, like, one of the worst famines in modern world history and, you know, the Paul Bear and the undertaker.
0: Speaking of footnotes in history, Marty Gennetti, up next with his match against Glenn Ruth, who Rob Portman refers to as the great-grandson of Babe Ruth. Ha ha, ha ha ha. <laughs> but Marty after the breakup of the rockers getting trying to play the 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 sympathetic wronged man angle in this match in the build up to the match at the Royal Rumble and Marty you know for as much as flack as he gets dude can put together a pretty good match against a no name opponent it wasn't great it's not going to last into the you know top 10 lists of anybody
1: but it was a pretty good match. Well, yeah, I mean, Marty was a solid worker. I mean, it's a shame, you know, the the famous wrestling quote-unquote personal demons uh, took their toll on Jeanetti's career so many times, but you're going to see him a lot off and on in these 93, 94 Raws. And, you know, he's a good little workhorse. He's a decent guy to have around the mid-card. This is like kind of his brush. This feud with Shawn Michaels is, of course, the closest he's ever going to get to fame and glory as a singles wrestler. But let me ask you this, Dave, his opponent, Glenn Ruth is an understated raw debut. This may be our first one. Uh, He is. uh, Do you know who he is, Dave? I have no clue. Glenn Ruth is the future headbanger. Thrasher. No. (laughs) Yes. He is the man who would be thrasher of the Headbangers, and if you're listening to us on uh, Place to Be in on the podcast feed, uh, long, 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 long ago, uh, th- there was an interview with him, one of the earliest Place to Be podcasts with, with Glenn Ruth, and you could hear all about this era in his career, but yeah, uh, WWF jobber for many years before they decided to make him a Headbanger Thrasher, that we will get to in a number of years uh, down the road here on the podcast, but he'll pop up a few more times as a jobber here on these early shows, but that is who he
0: is. Moving on, we step away from the action. We have the Repo Man explaining his attack on the Macho Man. Neil, did it need an explanation?
1: No, I think probably the less you force people to think about this, the better.
0: The Repo Man making the most of his screen time and his gimmick, totally buying into it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, let's just say I don't think that would be someone's idea of a good idea today. But then we get, a chico. We get a spot with Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, talking about his upcoming match against the Brett, the Hitman Hart, and a response to the initial challenge. Again, this whole episode, while it was much better and featured more action, you gotta think that it was just a 45-minute infomercial for the Royal Rumble.
1: Well, these shows are all infomercials for whatever the next pay-per-view is, really. That's what it all boils down to. And yeah, this is Razor's try to, to sell me on this match. He's still not doing it. But uh, you know, it is what it is.
0: I'm there. I don't know. I just I don't know what happens in the upcoming Rumble match. I don't know who the eventual champion is. I'm pretty sure Bret Hart retains. But I'm in. I'm locked into the championship match. And you know, it's your it's your favorite part of the show, right? The Royal Rumble report with Mean Gene Okerlund. Mean Gene is a broadcasting legend and should be in every single Hall of Fame. And when he talks about the upcoming lineup, no matter which stars are there, which in this Rumble recap, I have to say that I was kind of surprised that IRS was like named second, and they came back to the Million Dollar Man with the introduction of, and the other member of Money Incorporated, the Million Dollar Man. I thought I thought Million Dollar Man was like was the name on that, and IRS was along for the ride. But I guess I'm wrong at this point. Uh, not during the Royal Rumble report. <laughs> Apparently not. But that again. It just it took me by surprise. It took me back. I'm like, and also Ted DiBiase, and here's some other guys too. It's what. The man's worth a million dollars, which in 1993 was a lot of money. We get an actually great wrestling match next with the nature boy, Ric Flair, coming out in Victoria's Secret clothing. Ha. Thanks, Rob Portman.
1: Yeah, don't Again. get me started on that idiot because he was at his absolute dirt worst during this match. But get to the match. I cut you off. Who, do, who, does, who does Ric Flair face?
0: El Matador, Tito Santana, in a match that I'm going to be honest with you. I, I liked, like, a lot. If the Marty Jannetty match was solid and a good a good bit of wrestling, this to me was, like, easily the highlight of not only this episode but of the last episode, too. It's the best match we've had so far.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, Tito's a consummate professional. He's a veteran, uh, you know, albeit in his, the ridiculous El Matador gimmick, but whatever. He's still Tito Santana and and Ric Flair. I mean, his Ric Flair is one of the greatest of all time. So it should come as no shock that they go out there and have a great match. I mean, maybe even flirting with saying like a four-star match almost between those two, but great action, totally ruined by Rob Bartlett. He's awful in every match, but he just really had it out for flair. For whatever reason, like just his burials of flair just really irked me because of what a legend he is. And even at the time, he was like just the champion he lost the title in October and it's January and you know he's making Victoria's secret jokes there was a point where he makes the I've fallen and I can't get up joke like really you're gonna call Ric Flair old like you fat piece of shit like I cannot stand this Bartlett already I know he was in over his head and it's not totally his fault but he friggin sucks
0: but after the first episode when he had a couple of those moments where he's sort of Taken the wind out of the Vince builds him up, and then Rob Bartlett with one comment shuts him down. Like Ric Flair won last year's Royal Rumble. Your upcoming pay per view is the Royal Rumble. Why are you going to trivialize anything that he did last year or anything that he is in his career right now when you're trying to actually get people to fork over enough money to buy a pay per view? It's the Royal Rumble, it's the biggest thing ever 30 superstars, one ring measuring on the Richter scale. Yeah, but the guy that won it last year went to Victoria's Secret. Ha ha. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't get it.
1: Absolutely. I, I think, I think anyone listening to this agrees with us hundred percent on that too. Uh, but yeah, that just, it really, really irked me in the middle of what was otherwise a great match, although a great match with another crap finish, which wow. uh, that's the one I think black Mark on this otherwise really good episode of raw. We got some really crappy finishes here as Mr. Perfect comes out uh, reciprocation for the first match uh, costs uh, Ric Flair here. And then, Then Ric Flair goes into prime nature boy mode, going nuts. He's an absolute maniac, Uh, calls him out for a career-ending match next week, a loser-leaves-town match on next week's Raw. Uh, that's That's a
0: marquee match. That's kind of shocking that they're going to that level already. Was one of the guys planning on leaving the company like right then anyway? Well, Dave... Spoiler
1: alert for next week's show. Uh, Next week, will mark the final appearance of the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, for many, many, many years on WWF Monday Night Raw. Yeah, Flair was on his way out to go back to uh, WCW. Uh, We could talk about this more next week, but uh, this was the very rushed angle to set up his departure from the company that did come pretty suddenly uh, here at this point. And that's almost, it almost forgives Bartlett. For burying him since he was on his way out except i don't believe for one second that rob bartlett had any idea that rick flair was leaving the company and thought that that would be a good excuse to bury him he's just a knucklehead
0: well we can see exactly how much of a knucklehead he is mr perfect of course responds to the challenge of the loser leaves town match in the affirmative has anyone actually turned one of those down probably not But to wrap up this wonderful episode two of Monday Night Raw, we get to see our hero once again, the Repo Man, jumping on the back of a flatbed tow truck as he repossesses not only Macho's hat, which is a stunning American achievement, but we get Rob Bartlett's car being towed away. A couple of times in the episode, they're like, hey, look after my car. Anyone seen my car? Look after my car. And now we get the payoff of that as the Repo Man repossesses his car, a stunning, Wonderful piece of American machinery, a GMC Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I did actually chuckle
1: at that. I think that's the only thing Bartlett's ever done that actually amused me was the uh, revelation that his car was getting repossessed by the Repo Man to end the show. So it's it's one good thing Rob Bartlett has done, and about, I think we're at 68 bad things.
0: Neil, this episode much better than the last. uh, Who is your MVP for episode two? of WWE's Monday Night Raw?
1: I think I've got to go with Flair. I mean, perfect was great. The perfect Terry Taylor match was really good, but the Flair Tito match was definitely better. I mean, Flair is just a maniac on his promo a- after the match. So I- I'm going with Flair here as uh, my MVP of the show. Do you agree?
0: i i I kind of do, although I would give one a 1A to Tito Santana. I thought that Tito and Rick had a great match, but Tito put Flair over in more ways then vice versa.
1: All right, well, there you have it. Uh, this is another episode of Chronology in the books.
0: Chronology episode two done, episode three coming next week. For Neil Trama, I'm Dave Thackera, and you can find us now on Spotify. <laughs> what? It's the big time on Spotify. Look for Chronology, and we will see you again soon.